I think in order to do what tradespeople do, there's an art involved and it's the attention to detail that makes it an art. Hey, that's Barbie the welder. And today, Barbie and I talk about the art of the business or the business of the art. Whatever it is, I know that when the conversation ended, I wanted to keep talking about the creative process and all the things we got to right at the end there. But out front, we're back to that creative extension of ourselves and compensating ourselves for that time. I love this conversation, and I hope you do too. Here's a couple more bites to whet your appetite for today's podcast. And please, if you love this pod, share it on social media and tag me and Barbie when you do. I think my art comes out better because I do have that creative freedom that uh, I know what the ultimate outlook is going to be. And I'm able to translate that to them. And I I love that they trust me to be able to do that. (laughs) It's like the greatest gift that you can give an artist is that creative freedom. And never before have I put that problem solving time into my quotes for what I'm charging for it. But I have to now. You don't have any competition because there's no other you. I think I might have seen you wrestling him off the ground of your shop. You did. Uh, One welder was hurt in the making of that video. I'm only as good as the last thing that I did. That's the only thing that matters to me. Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook. Uh, today, I have a special guest. She's a welder. She's an advocate for tradespeople. It's Barbie the welder. How's it going today, Barbie? Oh, amazing. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So let's get right into uh, a question that's been coming up. Are all tradespeople artists? I do believe so, yes. I think in order to do what tradespeople do, there's an art involved and it's the attention to detail that makes it an art. Um, When you started out, were you like, I'm going to be a welder or I'm an artist? Like, have you always had this bent, uh, this direction or tell us about that? Um, I didn't call my art myself an artist and it felt very It felt weird saying the word artist. It took me, I'm going to say three to four years into creating in order to call myself an artist because I didn't go to school for, to, to learn. I'm, I'm self-taught and it felt very deceptive to even put the word artist by my, like what I do. Uh Uh, I got myself into an art gallery. Like I said, it was about two or three years into and I remember uh, pulling a table out of the back of my Jeep. The, the lady was like, yes, I, like, I want this in my gallery. I remember like being in the back of my Jeep and pulling this table out and thinking like for the first time, like, like I, I'm an artist. Like my, my stuff is in an art gallery. And it, but it just it felt inauthentic. I think that's the best word I could use is it felt very inauthentic to say I, I'm an artist. But today, like I can look at an electrician's work and see how artfully that the the wires are laid like in the, you know, in a wall is they're perfectly straight. No one will ever see it. And it's that attention to detail that is just such a divine, you know, expression of of creativity. 
were you like in a vocational program and then came out and what was the plan? So I, when I decided to be a sculptor and like, like you said, I, I thought of myself as a welder, but when I thought about welding art, which is weird to even say that and be like, oh yeah, I didn't even think of myself as an artist, but I knew I wanted to weld art. I'm such a goof. But uh, I saw it in a movie. I knew I needed to be a sculptor. I can't explain that, but I just, I knew in my core, like that's what I needed to do. I had gone through BOCES to be an auto mechanic when I was in high school. And so I knew that BOCES existed. It's a vocational technical school. They had an adult uh, an adult version of it and that you could pay for and go to. And so I was pretty sure they had an adult welding program. I went up there. I found out how much it was. And it took me quite a while to save up for it. But I went through that program, which was six months and 104 hours over those six months. And then I got hired by a custom fab shop locally and then worked there for five years. And that's where I really ended up honing in the, the fabrication side of welding that allowed me to take that and then turn around and learn how to make art. Very cool. And how do you, what, where do you get the inspiration for the pieces you're making? I've been watching you put together this hummingbird. How do you kind of map that out in your brain? I find inspiration everywhere. And that's been a practice to do that, but I can watch a movie and I can see it, you know, or I can see a texture in a piece of clothing. I can look at the, you know, look at a tree and see how the tree is shaped. Uh, like, like the bark on a tree, like texture for me is very special. And I, I don't know why, but it just, it just speaks to me. And so I can see the texture on, on tree bark and I'm like, that would be a wicked table to do with it. Those deep grooves in it. And, is I find inspiration everywhere. Sometimes it'll come to me through a client, the the hummingbird, the bee, and the um, butterfly that I just finished sculpting. Mm -hmm. uh, those were um, they came to me through a client who I worked with. That uh, the, that's how they they got there. I love wings, and I love creatures and characters. And so, especially when a client comes and they're like, "Hey, we have you know," and skulls. So you come to me with skulls or creatures or characters and. Give me some creative freedom and it is just uh just glorious to be in that uh that creative space that's great so the people are coming to you uh and just saying we kind of have a concept and then you agree on a price and you just go into your shop and come out with something later yes <laughs> yeah creating a figuring out how to create the like they'll, they'll give me parameters and say we want this to be six foot tall mm -hmm. and I I work with clients who give me the creative freedom they trust me to to create you know what they have like I'll, I'll come up with like a, a drawing and I don't draw so I'll come up with like google images mm -hmm. and I'll stick together in a, a program like imagine mm -hmm. this but in metal but uh yeah coming up with that and they, they do give me a lot of creative freedom, which is wonderful because then I can just, I go where like, I'm like, yeah, I know I need to make a, you know, I need to make a hummingbird and like, how is it going to look? And so they're not really like, I don't have clients who are like, it has to be this, this, and this, and this. It just, I think my art comes out better because I do have that creative freedom that uh, I know what the ultimate outlook is going to be. And I'm able to translate that to them. And I, I love that they trust me to be able to do that. <laughs> It's like the greatest gift that you can give an artist is that creative freedom. No doubt. You know, in, in my field of work, we, I get some freedom 
but usually we have to nail it down very specific because it's you know finishes in a house or whatever and there's a occasionally a time with wood where i get to do something and i feel like an artist you know i feel like there's an art to what i do but i don't feel like i'm an artist on a daily basis just sometimes i get that that freedom and and they go wow i wasn't expecting this and and that's always very cool it's the uh, uniqueness of it that you're going to bring something unique to that design. And now they own something that's one of a kind that no one else could ever get. And to be able to give someone, it's a bragging rights thing. It's not only for you, but for your client so that they have that as like no one else in the world will ever have anything like it. And you can make a thousand of them, but they'll never turn out the same. And having that one of a kind thing, I think is very special. And that's why the people seek you out. Um, how do they, how do they find you? Is it word of mouth or so there's like a, a subpopulation in the States where, you know, people know each other and they have your work in their house or what? Um, my work is actually in 15 different countries, which is just nice. Incredible. Uh, I couldn't name 15 countries before I started this, <laughs> but uh, most of it is through social media that um, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook mm. and and LinkedIn and I tweet every now and then but it's goofy stuff more um, and plus my website locally it's word of mouth I've got four public sculpture well three public sculptures that installed one I'm currently working on that's going to be installed locally and that's word of mouth locally that people see my stuff um, but through social media actually LinkedIn is bringing in probably about ninety five percent of my commission work now which it wasn't like that to begin with, but uh, has grown into that. So LinkedIn has been, it's most of my clients are business owners, uh, presidents of companies. And so it makes the most sense that LinkedIn has, has brought in, like people will see, like I'll post that I've done a logo sign for someone. And then like, they've given me the creative freedom around that. And another company will be like, oh, Barbie could do our stuff. And then I you know, get inundated with uh, companies who are like, oh, could you, you know, could you make our sign and, you know, showcase it's just it's wonderful because i get to showcase these companies in just a unique way it's a mm -hmm. unique way for them to market themselves because then i leverage my social media and like as i'm making the sign i'm like i'm i'm doing this for high seas rally or i'm doing this for this one and so it's a um it's a really cool way for them to showcase their company in just such a a different way than they would normally market absolutely and how do you put a price tag on your creativity? <laughs> oh, that is the number one question I get asked by people is how do you price your art? I've got a video on YouTube where I teach people how to do it. The way I've learned to do it, and it's still, it's always a practice, and I'm always working on improving that practice, is that I think about it like if I'm a company that has a product, it's just that every product that I make is different. And so I have an hourly rate that I use. I have I have a spreadsheet that I've created, like, how many hours do I think I'm going to be grinding? How many hours do I think I'm going to be welding? How many hours do I think I'm going to be programming? Um, and I have thinking time also, like, booked into that because when I create, like, for instance, uh, we can use the, the hummingbird sculpture. I just finished that. Um, you have to think about what part needs to be done first. Like sometimes I have to create the base first because everything is based off of that, pun intended. And sometimes with the hummingbird. And so like I moved back and forth, like I created all the bases first, but like I really have to stop and think like, can I create the wings 
Or is that going to get in the way of me sculpting? Can I weld the wings on now or do I have to weld the wings on later? Um, it, it just, everything is different. And so like no two sculptures are, are put together in the same way. Some I start at the bottom and work up and others I work at the top down. Um, some parts excite me more, so I'm, you know, I want to do the wings, but the wings can't be put on until the body has feathers on it. And just each thing is different. So it does take time for me to like, there are sometimes where I've got to stare at it for like an hour and like really like work out in my mind. If I do this first, then this is going to happen. And never before have I put that problem solving time into my quotes for what I'm charging for it. But I have to now because it's just, it's part of the process. And so it's taking all that and then putting in the numbers and then coming up with, you know, it's going to cost me money to run my shop. So any hours I'm in there, I'm like, I'm going to have to charge for electric and I've got to do, it's definitely, uh, definitely a system that I'm working on. I've, and I've always underquoted how long it takes me to do something. And it's something I've got to work out because I eat anything that I, you know, if I quote you a hundred hours on something and it takes me 200 hours, I eat a hundred hours on that. And so where it works out really well for the client, not so much for the artist. And so I really have to be cognizant of how much time and, and honest with myself. Like, I think it's going to take me a day to weld these wings on and three days later I'm half done. And it's like, yeah, this is, you know, this is not where you want to be. And then, it, you know, then it changes my, you know, I'm like crap. And I, I, I screwed that up. And then I go into it with not a good attitude. It's going to turn out not as good. So I really have to be thoughtful about how I'm, how I'm quoting stuff. Yeah. The planning fallacy. I think they call that. We Is that a to... name for what I've been doing? <laughs> yeah. There's a name for it. <laughs> oh. Well, I yeah. Cause... The top of my quote. <laughs> because we. <laughs> planning fallacy. Okay. 100 hours. Um, no, but, <laughs> but, but we tend to think things are going to take half as long. We always underestimate time because we, we just naturally suck at it. And, <laughs> and it's inherent and making me feel so much better about myself. Oh, good. Now. Trust me as a, as a, as a contractor, I've, I've blown it many times. I've, I've worked. I don't want to do the math on how little I made per hour on a lot of jobs when I was starting. I've done you know? the math on it because that <laughs> yeah. helps doing that math allows me to be really honest with myself going forward because I want to bring my best to my clients. I I was two months, uh, the, the tradesman sculpture that I did, I was off on that quote by two months. So I worked for free for two months on that. And I definitely did not make a minimum wage in a sculpture. That sculpture is still by far the best. I feel like my best work, I still haven't unveiled it yet because the client actually changed. Um, and, and so like no one's ever even seen the final, like my, my social media has not seen the final on a five month build from last year. But it's that I worked out the hours and how much I did make an hour on it. Um, and that lets me be real honest going forward. I'm like, make sure that doesn't happen again. Now it's not gonna like, if I, you know, that's still, like I said, by far my best, most detailed like sculpture I'm the most proud of because of what I went through to create that. Mm -hmm. But on the financial side, it's just like you you deserve more money than what you're what you're earning. Your skills are one of a kind. There's no other Barbie the welder in the world. Or you could, you know, put a million sculptors next to me and they're not going to come up with what I come up with. 
I literally have, and as, as an individual, you don't either, like you don't have any competition because there's no other you. So it's, you need to get paid what you're worth. And so it's a, it's something I'm deeply aware of. Like you said, like time is the one thing that we, we can't get back. And I need to honor my art by honoring the time that it takes to do my art. And so whether, you know, whatever my craft may be, whether it's a welder or an electrician or a plumber, like we need to deeply honor our skills, all the you know thousands of hours it's taken us to get to where we are today. And then you think about all the unique experiences that we've gone through that is going to allow us. It's a, it's a recipe. Like each one of us is a, a unique recipe. There will never, ever, ever be another you or a me, no matter how many people try to emulate what we're doing, but uh, they, how do you put a price tag on it? But make sure that you're honoring that time around the price tag when you do. You know, when I was younger and I was screwing up all the time, uh, older contractor was like, Mike, just estimate the time for the project and then double it. And I was like, whatever, I can't do that. Like I'd be gouging the person, but he was right in a sense because I wasn't estimating time right. So I probably should have just listened to him and, and done that. And then, you know, if I did well, I would have done well. And if I just nailed it, no pun intended. <laughs> always it. pun is always intended. Just, we're just going <laughs> to assume that uh, like the spark of creation, I do it all the time. It's just one of my superpowers is I'm just like, I'm two thirds of a pun, the PU part, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> But I can, I can really relate to on that, you know, when you do realize that you've eaten up all the time on a project that you put in, that you said you're going to get paid for, and then you're, then you're going to it stressed out and it affects, it really affects your output. It, it, it kind of removes, it, it kind of removes some of the joy when you're not, when the money's not there, but then at, at the same point, at the same rate too, with the creative aspect and, and this piece you're talking about now where you're very proud of it, it in a sense, it doesn't matter because there's that aesthetic value that you've created. The pride and craftsmanship trumps everything. But when you're off on your time and you, you go in, it's like you're mad at yourself. Like I'll speak for myself. Like I'm mad at myself. It's like, girl, like you really like, you know, it, it's, you deserve better than what you're giving yourself. I think that's my biggest bugaboo is this is like, you know, that and how dare you like, cause like when you said double it, like that's something I started doing a couple of years ago was because of how bad I was at, at quoting jobs and underestimating how long it take me to do stuff. And so that was my first move was to double the time that I estimated it to be, which I still like, like no two things are alike. And so I just, it's, it's really hard to, uh, like I said, I'm getting better, but I've created a, a spreadsheet system that I'm using now to, and it's looking at every little detail, like how much time do you think you're gonna need to think? Like if this project is gonna take X amount, you know, if you're gonna estimate it at a month long project, you're probably going to need approximately 20 hours of thinking time to, cause like, I'm not even in the shop. I'm laying in bed in the morning and I'm laying there thinking about like, I can, like, if you think about a, a program on a computer, like you can manipulate a, an object 3d. I do that in my mind. I can literally take a sculpture. I can, mm. I like before I even step into my shop, I've already built that sculpture several times in my head. And that's time that like, that's my personal time, but it's still, I'm working on that project. 
And although it might not look like I could be sitting on a beach and just like daydreaming and just come up with, you know, like I can see it in my head. I'm like, that wing is going to look good like that. You're going to have to change that angle. If I spin it around, that's not going to look as good as impactful from the back. It's super important to me that my sculptures photograph in mm. every angle. And so I, and it's because people, most people will never even see them in person and I'm online. And so I have to think about like, how will this impact someone if they see the side view in a picture? And so I'm constantly taking pictures of what, like where I'm at on a sculpture to, to estimate like, and it's just like all these things. And then I create the videos around it for my clients and I do pictures for my clients. And it's all these things. It's like, they slow me down because you go from one art, which is sculpting to another art, which is videoing and photography, but mm -hmm. photographing, <laughs> photographing. <laughs> Uh, speaking is another art. I have, I'm okay with that because I like that I make up words. Well, you're a, wor you're a wordsmith, too. I am a wordsmith. That's right. I sculpt words just as much <laughs> as I sculpt metal. How do you find time to do all the social media on top of this? I mean, I can barely keep up with one. Um, I mean, you I'm, got... I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I... I tie like I drink coffee in the morning and so I sit and drink coffee for approximately an hour and a half to two hours every morning I make it important and so when you make something important you find the time for it I usually work I wake up around 6 a.m um without an alarm clock it's about 10 to 6 um and I immediately go to work and I work throughout the day. Right now, I'm taking my son back and forth from work. He's uh, my my youngest son has got uh, his first job, doesn't want to have a license, and so I'm driving him back and forth a couple of times a day, which is definitely presenting a new challenge. But it's also, you know, that's super important to me to to honor my son, and so it's exciting to have that time with him, which is, you know, it's, it changes things a little bit because now I'm like sculpting for a couple hours and then you know, taking him back and forth to work. And then it's, uh, but like social media brings me deep joy. It allows me to do what I'm doing. And the people that I get to interact with from all the different countries I get to speak with people from, it is like out of all the millions of billions of people that are online, people choose to spend their time with me. And so like, it's a huge honor. And maybe I'm a little bit tired and maybe I don't feel like it sometimes, but also I'm just like, I have people that really are interested in what I'm doing. And so it's, I make that important because like, it's just such a deep honor. Like it's such a deep honor. And I'm so dean grateful for every single person that does support me online that it's uh, like, I love to live stream and, and talk with people like on Instagram is the one where I, I live stream. Uh, and, and it's just, yeah, it just, it brings me deep joy. So like, and I get to drink coffee and, and talk to people. Huzzah. <laughs> Excellent. How do you deal with change orders? I mean, this is like, this is business basics 101 for anybody out there who's tr trying to run a small business, isn't it? Uh, you need to roll the punches. So I was like, when I, when I commission, when someone commissions a sculpture from me, I get a hundred percent upfront because I don't chase money. And I want to make sure that they really want to work with me. The design is a design and that doesn't change. And I've never had someone in the middle of a project say, I need you to change the design. Mm. Um, I don't know what, how I would handle that if they did. 
what happened, what had happened was the owners of the company actually changed. So I was working, um, I was working with a company. I was commissioned by a company. Um, The sculpture was actually done and not delivered yet when a, a bigger company came in and bought the smaller company. And now the bigger, what a blessing because both of the companies are amazing. And so that younger company, that littler company will live on through it, but it will be under the umbrella of this larger company. It's Stanley Black and Decker. Let me just put Hmm. the name out there. So Stanley Black and Decker bought Rock the Trades. I was hired originally by Rock the Trades, which is an initiative to showcase and honor skilled trades, which is like, heck yes, I will work with you. Easy peasy lemon squeezy on that decision. Well, Stanley, they started working with Stanley Black and Decker, who owns DeWalt, they own Mac Tools, they own Irwin Clamps, they own um, Craftsman Tools, they own all the companies that I already love and already work with. And now all of a sudden, like now all of a sudden I'm working with Stanley Black and Decker on top of that, who I'm just like, it's just such a deep honor. Stanley Black and Decker has a budget where they have gone in and they have dedicated $25 million over the next five years to honor and showcase the skilled trades. And as part of that initiative, which I'm already out there doing that, like on my level is honoring and showcasing the skilled trades. They bought Rock the Trades and now Stanley Black and Decker owns Rock the Trades and they own the sculpture. They are working behind the scenes. So I was supposed to unveil the sculpture last year, but because they bought it, because they bought the the company that owned the sculpture, they're now going in and they're creating a program behind the sculpture where it's gonna live, what it's gonna do and how it's gonna honor and showcase the skilled trades. So I worked on it for five months last year. I finished it. I've got all this like video of all the stuff I've done around it, but I haven't been able to unveil the sculpture yet. So it's there, they're working to, to get everything in line. And it's a part of me is just like, I'm chomping at the bit to, to show the world what this sculpture is. It is my opinion, my greatest masterpiece. Mm. It is um, people from all over the country sent in tools that are welded into this sculpture. It's a six foot tall man. Uh, His name is Jack, Jack of all trades. And um, he's a tradesman and he is showcasing, I think about nine different skilled trades with all the tools that are welded into him. And I'm over the moon excited to showcase him but can't yet until they get uh, till they figure out how they're going to do this so that they could do it with the biggest possible uh, bang. I think I might've seen you wrestling him off the ground of your shop. You uh, did. One <laughs> welder was hurt in the making of that video. I got my knee pretty good. Um, yeah. Oh, I love him so much. It's a definitely, that's why it was easy for when I was like, when I realized I was, you know, I, I, I hit the wall on hours and now I've got, you know, I didn't know how much more time I needed uh, because it's something that I cannot phone in any of my stuff. So if I quote it wrong, it's not my client's fault. It's my fault. And so I have to, you know, I have to eat that time. But at the end of the day, that's my work and I can't phone anything in. It goes back to craftsmanship and we are only as good as the last thing that we did. I can't ride on the fact that I did two sculptures for Harley Davidson three years ago. That don't mean diddly squat. Not to me. I mean, like it does, like I'm deeply honored that I did that, 
but that, it was two years ago, 2019, I believe I did that. Doing math, never mind. It was three years ago. Time doesn't exist for me, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I can't ride on that fact that I've, I've welded sculptures for for Miller. I've welded sculptures for this company. I've welded sculptures for that company. It doesn't mean anything. I'm only as good as the last thing that I did. That's the only thing that matters to me. And so, yes, I've got two extra months to work on this that I'm not getting paid for. But it doesn't matter whether I'm getting paid or not. This is my craftsmanship. These are my details and every little, every little, everything that's on that, like that matters. And so if it takes me an extra year and I'm working for free for a year, like my clients like win, which I win also because it's pride of craftsmanship. It's mine. And so I don't care how long it takes. It has to be my level of perfection. So how are you inspiring newcomers to come into trades? Oh man, that's so exciting. So by, I feel like that welded art is like the gateway drug into the trays is into welding. People see the art and are like, oh my gosh. And they might not ever think of welding, but when they see the sculptures, it might inspire them. I hope is it inspires them to, to create and try. Uh, I've welded, I've welded three books. Good job, Ari. I've welded three books on how to weld art. <laughs> I've written three books on how to weld art, making it as easy as possible for someone who's never welded before to step into the arena and be successful. I have created a line of metal art welding kits that do the same thing. It makes it easy for people to be successful. And uh, I've actually, and you're, very few people know this, but I've actually written four kids books that honor and showcase the skilled trades. They have been written. I am in the process of having them be edited and I'm looking for an illustrator for them. And my goal is to have them come out by Thanksgiving so that uh, they'll, they'll be available to, uh, to families by Christmas. By Black Friday. By Black Friday, darn, darn tootin' that's where I'm at with that one. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't know. I, I knew you, I knew you wrote some books on welding. I didn't know about the kids books. So they're just, they just not published. I've actually written yeah. six books so far, three on welding and two inspiration books and one about how to be a successful artist slash entrepreneur, like how to brand market and sell what you're, what you're doing. Very cool. And where do people find those? Amazon. Yeah. I've got an author page, Barbara the Welder, uh, author page on Amazon. They're all available there. And cool. if you've got tractor supply by you, I've got uh, how, to how to Weld Horseshoe Crafts. Those are in Tractor Supply in Barnes & Noble. Why do skilled trades matter? We build the world. Check. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy. What do you value most? My family. Who's your mentor? Oh man, that's a great one. Cause I have several, uh, I'm a personal coach I work with, but I have, I have several people that I follow or know about whether they're living or not, uh, that inspire me. Elon Musk is one of them because he's a serve. My belief is that he's a serve the world human being and that's where I want to be is that thinking globally instead of locally um 
Gosh, there, there's a lot of them. Tom Bilyeu is one of my favorite entrepreneurs. He has uh, he created uh, Quest Nutrition Bars, but where I found him was on YouTube, where he interviews people that are just deeply inspiring. And I've like he's the best interviewer in my opinion that I've ever listened to because he deeply researches the people and asks the most wonderful questions and as an incredible listener and all things I inspire to be. And um, uh, another one is uh, John Travolta. When he was interviewed by Tom Bilyeu, he speaks about art and being an artist and being a creative. And it is the most beautiful honoring of someone's art I feel like that I've ever experienced uh I'm also inspired by sculptors who I I don't know who made what but like when you see the like I don't know about art like I've never studied it I can make things I can see it and I can make it but there's a lot about art that I have just no stinking clue about but looking at uh, just so deeply inspired by the sculptors who did like the the marble the marble sculptures because they make one mistake and it's over like with me metal super forgiving I could just grind it out and put another weld over it and fix it but like the marble sculptors the people who have like every little wrinkle in the fingers and you can see like the folds in clothing and marble it makes it look real like for me I'm just so deeply inspired by the realism of what people created in 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 stone and marble and, and granite and whatever the I'm pretty sure it's marble but also again I don't know I was going to in the beginning, and actually you could see it in the thing I sent you, uh, talk about you and Michelangelo, who is one of those guys. And, that is and, awesome. So like completely and utterly, I thought he was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and and I actually saw, you know, I saw I, I was um I saw a lot of his work when I was in Rome. And of course, and it's you know. Oh, oh yeah. Life goals is to travel and and see those in person. Um, I will cry thinking about even having the ability to stand next to something. Like, look at as I start to tear up. It's it's so stunning because again, it's it's like a tattoo artist. There's just such deep respect for tattoo artists, and like you could judge me for putting those two people next to each other, but it's one little mistake, and it's it's ruined. And so thinking about the, the amount of time that it took, uh, whatever tools they used, like I would, I could easily follow, like I can easily like just watch someone for the rest of my life, like watch them create and just, it's the, they, they've captured movement and like the, like I said, like the flow of the clothing, like, so when I'm, when I'm sculpting and I get to like do anything to do with like clothing, it just, I, I study, uh, I, I watch uh, the, the clothing show, good job. Project Runway is like, I'm like closet obsessed with Project Runway and America's Next Top Model because it's seeing the textures in the clothing and just, I find so much inspiration in, in stuff like that. But to see what they've done and just like, I feel like it's just not, not one mistake was made in the creation of that. And it's just something that is so powerful to just and, and I've only seen it online. I've not been out of the country yet. I'm 
scheduled to to do so uh, later this year, but uh, just mind blown over the details that are created. I I agree, and sculpture really captures my my imagination as a medium more than others. You know, you go there's some like Picassos or something you go see and. And you know that like the history is, is there's another painting under it that he didn't like. So he painted right over the top of it. Okay. And I that that. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there's, there's one in particular, I think it's a Picasso. I don't remember. I don't know my art history. I, I I've seen a lot of art. I've been all you know more world. than I do, <laughs> um, but, but there, I, I'm trying to think of what museum it was in, but you can see the face of the person he painted underneath this current painting. It's a famous painting, but you can see the, you can see the outline of the painting that's under it. Oh, wow. So like, I, and I don't, like I said, I, I literally, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's artist rules, which is probably like an oxymoron, but like, I've taken sculptures that I've made. And at the time of making them, I was madly in love with it. And then moving forward, like say it doesn't sell, uh, I will look at it and be like, eh, I'm not sure if I love that as much as I used to. And so I literally have cut up sculptures and put them into other sculptures or recreated mm -hmm. them. Uh, the that most recent sense. one was, was Hope, the, the sad angel who's, who's sitting on the ground and she's, she's down like this and she's got her, her wings up. That was, I cut up another sculpture and then used body parts on that one sculpture to make her. And in my opinion, she is light years better than what I created. Mm. So like for me, I'm just like proud of me, good job. But then the other part of me looks at that and goes, you cut up your history. Like that's part of your story. That's part of your past. And like, there was a journey. And so now I have taken away some of that so I don't know whether that's right or wrong but like hearing the story of him doing that like the fact that I did that just becomes part of my journey now I've got pictures of what I you know what it was and how it started and you can go on YouTube and see the video of what sculpture I cut up to you know to to make into her but I just it was just, uh, yeah, I think it turned out way better. And I'm like, I feel like she'll sell where Marsha would not have, which it was an anglerfish woman who had a little um, had a little duck with a, a mohawk. Like, I love creatures and characters. And part of me is like, shame on you for cutting that up. And the other part of me is like, huzzah, well done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you cut it up and threw it away, it'd be one thing. But if it's repurposed and, I mean, that's kind of cool to me. You're like, this was this and now it's, this new new thing i think that's pretty neat myself you know and going back to uh so i'm walking around the vatican with you know what looking at these michelangelo sculptures oh, is one oh. of of jesus and mary and and i'm starting to like it's starting to sink in like how long it takes to make these things but he's prolific there's stuff everywhere he's the he's the favorite he gets all the funding he must have had a small army of sculptors Really? It wasn't just him? It couldn't have been. There's no way. So, so I have a hard I have a hard time with this. And I don't know whether it's right or wrong. This is just my belief, but I have I do everything myself. And, and like I, I did have a photographer for a while. I, I worked with a photographer. I, I hired him. Uh he was working for me for a year and a half. 
But other than that, like my sculptures are mine. And so I followed some sculptures on sculptors online and it's like their names on it, but they've got a team of people working for them. And so I'm torn. Like it's not like it's their idea, but it's not their work. So I don't, and again, I don't mean to step on toes. This is my belief and we're all entitled to it. I'm just like, eh, I can't ever see myself. Like I want to create a line of furniture down the road. I, in the beginning, I made a lot of furniture. It brings me great joy to make functional art. I love that so much. And so I definitely want to create my own line of furniture. The original will be made by, by me. And then the, you know, anything mass produced. So say I make one and there's going to be, you know, a hundred of them. I'll make number one. And then I, I could see myself hiring a team to do the other ones. But when it comes to my sculpture, like that number one would be the one that for me is just that's a valuable one. And then everything else, they're still valuable because it would be limited run, but it's just not the, it's not the same when someone else creates your design. And so it's a, like with the furniture, I would do that because I, like I said, I, I do love that and it would be fun. Maybe I will do it. Maybe it'll just be all one of a kind furniture. I don't know. I don't know how it looks. I definitely will make furniture, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, it's just not the same to me if it's not me physically creating it. Like my clients pay what they pay because it's me doing it. Not one of my minions, which it, it just, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I'm a general contractor, so I'm fine with it because <laughs> I have to be because well, I, just, I, I orchestrate a crew to, to, to create our things for us, you know? Uh, and, your and client that, knows going yeah. in and I think if they know going in yeah. like as long as the client knows going in that it's you know it's so-and-so's design but I've got eight of my best people working on it like and there's some very successful artists out there that that work like that it's just not my vibe let's put yeah. it that like no totally makes it makes complete and utter sense yeah and, and, yeah and that makes total sense to me from your perspective too and I had never really thought about it until I was looking at piece after piece after piece and going, how they do this? How did it, he, how did this like 21 year old dude do this? How no. could they trust someone else with their art? I think that for me, that's, and maybe that's a control thing that's scary to think about putting, you know, to let someone else touch it and then just be like, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's. I know, I'd be like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, me over their shoulder. Yeah, no, it won't work. I'm sorry. That's why I have a small shop, maybe, is so that no one else can. It'd be lovely to have people help me with stuff. And yes, I've collaborated on, I'm like, one thing. <laughs> I think I've collaborated on one thing. I could see myself collaborating with another artist, but it would be, you know, in the realm of like, I'm going to make a motorcycle, and there's a lot about motorcycles. Like, you know, I was a mechanic before I was a welder. I'll figure it all out, but it wouldn't be more fun to bring someone in that like lived it and can right. really add to what I'm doing where I'm, you know, I do all the art around it and they monkey with the wiring and the motor and the transmission and all like, let me know what size that, you know, like the, the oil bag needs to be. And like, just, I'll make that, but just let me, you know, and just like having that kind of collaboration is definitely something I've, I've thought about whether I've, I do it or not. I don't know, but I'm definitely going to make a bike. I just don't know how that ends up, whether I take on a, a, a collaborator or not on that one. I think it'd be cool and fun to do. Absolutely. 
I think that was the most epic answer to who, who's your mentor. <laughs> that that had, a yeah. long answer of that. <laughs> well, we took, the, scenic, we took the scenic route. <laughs> if you're going to tell a story, it, might, it should be a good one, right? Yeah, so, I love telling right. stories. Let's cruise into the speed round here. Okay, best joke. Oh, yeah, I'm awful at jokes. Um, I've got like your mama jokes. Like that's about it. <laughs> your mama's your mama's so poor. She thought a quarterback was a refund. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awful at jokes. I'm just I'm I'm actually doing this so I can get so I can load up with jokes. <laughs> but most people free, freeze on this one. Um, okay. Now I'm gonna guess your favorite tool but then you're going to tell me yours. I'm going to guess your favorite tool is your acetylene torch. So far off. Okay. I love okay. that you guys favorite, that. favorite tool. My mind by far. Most useful tool. My grinder. <laughs> my, uh, my, my four and a half inch DeWalt grinder is the most useful tool. Got to take stuff apart sometimes. Man, do I. <laughs> Your where have you been all my life tool? Ooh, to CNC, my CNC machine. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay, best job site snacks. I forget to eat when I'm sculpting. I don't have anything for that. Like I drink coffee. But uh, I literally will miss meals because I just, I get lost in what I'm doing. So I don't have job site snacks. Maybe I need to. Maybe you need to give me people's best answers. <laughs> Had some good answers. Usually it, it's pretty much been tacos and beef jerky and, and apples. Best job site jams. Oh man, like this is probably just going to freak you guys right out. Like I love heavy metal and I listen to heavy metal a lot, but like with my job site jams, I have been lovingly playing classical music. So I've got a Spotify playlist called classical badassery. And it's just one I've made up with uh, like, that's my go-to. And I literally just it's just like this vibe. Like I started out by using that when I was writing that I would play classical music when I'm writing my books. And I, I've always listened to like heavy metal music and then a humbug one day and country music. I've been on eclectic music, but uh, one day I put on classical music in the shop just to see, because like my brain goes into creative mode and it knows it needs to write when I listen to the classical music. And so I, I just tried it in the shop one day and it just became a vibe. That's cool. And it, you know, I, 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 I'm a musician and I love music and I, I was a DJ for a long time. And that connection between classical music and metal is actually, a, it's a straight line because metal is so technical, oh. you know, those, those guys are shredding high speed and it's, and it's gotta be perfect. Oh, it's just, so. I, I have a very eclectic music taste. I'm everywhere from Marilyn Manson to Mozart mm -hmm. and like everything in between and just, Different music give you different vibes. And if I could go back and be any kind of artist ever, I would go back and be a musician because of how they impact human life. Like you think about Freddie Mercury, uh, if, you, if you've seen the movie uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Freddie Mercury on stage, and I think it was the last scene and don't let me blow it up, but he's 
like everyone is like singing with him. Um, I cried like a baby watching that movie just because of the impact that an artist, that one human being can have on the world. And for me, it's like, you know, how can I impact human beings like that? And I feel like musicians are by far the most impactful artists. Maybe sculptors are close second, I would like to hope. But man, like I think about like you can hear a song and I immediately brought back to a, a moment in my life. 100%. 100%. And uh, all that Live Aid stuff is actually uh, is on YouTube as well. Outside the movie, the real footage of that. And a lot of the footage from the movie is actually from the Live Aid event. Oh, wow. But you can Come see it. There. You you Yeah. So part of the part of the reason I don't get on YouTube is because I just go down a music rabbit hole. I just can't all of a sudden I'm like, cause there's so much footage available. You know, when I was a kid, none of this was available. You had to see a live show to see this, any of this, yeah. th any of this stuff. And now it's like so much cool footage out there. I didn't know it existed out of all the movies I think I've ever seen. Like I was just, I related to that one just so deeply. It's, it's great. It's just, wonderful. I, I feel like our, our lives are, just it's quite interesting i'm like someday someone's gonna make a movie about my life like that like hopefully i'm like i don't know where my impact is like i know i impact people i, I get messages from people all the time but it's like to to see him and he go him going through the trials and tribulations that he went to to get where he was and to have people doubt him and have people it, it just man did that speak to me i watched it on an airplane and I literally just like, I bawled the whole time. And I'm sure people were just like, what is wrong with that? But like, I don't know, like, I don't know what other people do, but man, just like that, that movie touched me just powerfully. Me too. Um, what question would you ask my next guest? Who's your next guest? Or is I don't this... know. I don't know. Oh, gotcha. Oh, what question am I? I like this line of questioning. I like things that make me think it makes me happy. What book are you reading right now? I'm an avid reader and I just like deeply work on self-improvement. And so my favorite thing to ask high achievers is what are you reading? Or, you know, or what podcast are you listening to? Like, where are you finding your, your, where are you getting growth from? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Oh man, I would like to tell all the people that are supporting me on my social media, how very, very grateful I am for, for each and every one of them. Every like, every comment, every share of what I'm doing means the absolute world to me. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for you. Well, thanks so much for being here with me today, Barbie. This has been an awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I'm so honored and grateful that you took your time and are sharing my story with your followers and your listeners. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Listening to me and Barbie the Welder. And you know what? You can find Barbie just about anywhere. You just do an internet search. Hey, if you found value in the content of the show or some sense of affirmation for what you're doing, please consider writing review on iTunes, rating me on Spotify, or sharing the pod directly to social media from your phone. And remember, the work we do each day, the stuff we make and leave behind, it's our legacy. So create a legacy that matters. All right, that's all I got. Later.